0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And we're here to have a special virtual legality live with you all because this is the end, I think the end, probably the end, of the longest playlist in this channel's history. This will be the 64th video, I believe, in Microsoft Times Activision. And if you look at the top of the playlist, you see that. We did our first episode on January 18th, 2022, when the deal was first announced. And in that video, we talked about a number of things, one of which was that the deal wasn't closed. Activision was not a Microsoft company at the time. As we now know, after almost two years of regulatory endeavor, that it's not that easy to spend $70 billion to purchase a company and that it doesn't get closed for some time thereafter. But now today we can talk about the fact that it did in fact close. As you saw in the thumbnail. It closed on, ironically enough, Friday the 13th here in October 2023. So, more than 18 months after the deal was originally announced, it closed. Why did it close? Well, because the CMA, the Competition and Markets Authority of the United Kingdom, finally allowed the deal to go through. Now, before we get started there, I do want to mention that this is a channel supported by viewers and listeners like you through Play or Patreon or through memberships and super chats. I include that here primarily to remind myself to keep track of those super chats and memberships as they come in on my chat. Since we've moved to this format and doing things a little bit differently later in the year here, I have to keep track of that a little bit more. So please bear with me. If you don't like this content, you don't have to be obligated to do any of those things other than maybe like, subscribe, tell YouTube that you're watching this. They love to hear that the algorithm loves it. Otherwise, I'm here to talk to you about law and business and video games, which I know is very exciting to everybody. And that's what we're here to talk about. So let's see what the CMA put out on Friday morning. This document, very briefly entitled Anticipated Acquisition by Microsoft Corporation of Activision Blizzard, excluding Activision Blizzard's non-EEA cloud streaming rights, is actually the document in which the CMA acknowledges that Microsoft's move to get rid of the Activision streaming rights to the Activision games for now in the next 15 years to Ubisoft is what allowed the CMA to approve of this deal. Now, you can value that as you desire there in terms of whether or not the CMA is being entirely forthcoming with the reasoning behind trying to block this deal and whether or not handing off streaming rights to Ubisoft actually solves any of the major concerns that any of these regulators have put forth, but, If you say that they're telling the truth here, the reasoning behind it is that they say, immediately prior to the merger, pursuant to a divestiture agreement between Activision and Ubisoft, Activision's global cloud streaming rights for current and future Activision PC and console games, including current and future Activision games released during the next 15 years, will be sold to Ubisoft. And that as a result of that, this may be expected to result in a substantial lessening of competition. Oh, the deal would be, apologies. Sometimes these documents go back on themselves a number of times. And so when I try to transition like that, it doesn't work out so well. What this document will ultimately say is that that substantial listing of competition, which the CMA found to be a problem in cloud gaming is alleviated by giving those rights to Ubisoft, but weren't alleviated in the original version that Microsoft proposed and that this document was after additional analysis and finding that they needed to change a few things in that deal. So the parties that's Microsoft offered undertakings in lieu of reference. So essentially agreements to remedy whatever problems the CMA or other regulators had without being ordered to do so for purposes of the act. And then they said by divesting the Activision streaming rights to Ubisoft, the merger aims to establish Ubisoft as a key supplier of content to cloud gaming services to replicate the role that Activision would have played in the market absent the merger. So again, remember, What the CMA and the FTC claimed here with respect to cloud gaming was that Microsoft just had too much power. And if they had the servers and the windows infrastructure, and then they had all the content, which they were worried that Activision would give them too much content, then they could dominate pricing and distribution in the cloud gaming market. Now I've said in this space, I have issues with that definition of a market. I don't view cloud gaming as separate from delivery of other ways to get you games. And so I I don't love that market definition, the FTC, the judge in their injunction case didn't love that market definition. But assuming that definition is legitimate, then you can see why having too much content with that cloud gaming infrastructure could concern a regulator. And they say, well, if you give it all to Ubisoft, well, Ubisoft now is just gonna be like Activision would have been had you not purchased all their assets. And that should make us happy. notwithstanding the largely self-standing nature of the assets being transferred to Ubisoft, The lessening of competition decision found residual concerns that competition could be substantially lessened as a result of Microsoft's ongoing relationship with Ubisoft. So translating this from legalese a little bit, what the CMA is saying here is over the past couple of months, we acknowledge that Microsoft tried to make us happy by getting rid of the cloud gaming services to Ubisoft, but we were still concerned that the contract didn't cover enough of the relationship between Microsoft and Ubisoft, they could have still tricked us somehow. And we'll see here when we see what they've required, how the CMA thought Microsoft maybe could have tricked them. As set out in the UIL provisional acceptance decision, the parties have offered to give UILs to the CMA. The UILs aim to ensure that the Ubisoft investment agreement is fully implemented, including in relation to the following aspects. So this is what Microsoft agreed to give the CMA when the CMA said they weren't happy with the Ubisoft document as originally proposed. Ubisoft may not grant Microsoft an exclusive license to the Activision games and any such purported license would be null and void. So here the CMA is worried that, okay, you've agreed to license it to Ubisoft, but you could have a behind closed doors handshake deal that Ubisoft is just going to license it right back to you. And so your documents with Ubisoft and with us have to say they can't just exclusively license what they've got from you back to you immediately because that would be tricking us. We wouldn't get what we wanted. Next, they say Ubisoft may not offer Microsoft preferential pricing nor material preferential treatment with respect to the cloud streaming rights not made available to third parties. So, okay, we've said you can't give it right back to Microsoft. You also can't give them a sweetheart deal. So this agreement has to be real. It can't be faked. And that makes sense, although these will both be things that I would consider to be under the good faith and fair dealing components of a contract. So if Ubisoft did these things or if Microsoft demanded that Ubisoft do these things, they could sue for breach and that kind of thing so the cma is concerned about this they require microsoft to essentially agree to not get it back on a sweetheart basis microsoft must offer the activision games to ubisoft at a price that is no higher than the wholesale price for digital download and retail sales of pc and console versions of the same content meaning okay so you have to make sure the deal is actually worth something to ubisoft you can't say okay yes you can have our cloud streaming rights but we're going to charge you 10 times as much as we charge anybody else which means you're never going to use them because you can't make it worthwhile from a business perspective on Ubisoft plus or otherwise. So CMA says you can't do that. You have to make sure the deal is priced at a a level that is wholesale to the rest of the market. Microsoft must provide Ubisoft with the Activision games in a standard executable format. You can't play tricks and put it in some kind of weird format that Ubisoft would have to decode and spend millions of dollars trying to figure out how to even operate. Microsoft will ensure that the quality content features and performance of any Activision game delivered to Ubisoft will be materially similar to the non streaming version of the Activision game. Now, here's where we get into a little bit of tech questions, right? A cloud streaming version of Call of Duty is not going to be able to eliminate latency in the same way that a downloaded version of Call of Duty is. So, you're never going to have perfect performance parity here. This is going to be primarily evaluated, I believe, on a kind of reasonable basis, right? You're not deliberately trying to hold back the cloud streaming version. It's just the nature of cloud streaming is gonna have different impacts than just having it on your native console. Microsoft will not design PC versions of Activision games or any other versions which are or are planned to be available on multiple cloud streaming services to be solely optimized for its own cloud streaming service. So if you haven't been following every step of this deal, you may not know that the European Union required Microsoft to effectively give streaming rights to all providers within the European Union at the same time that you had a right to to play your downloaded version of Activision games. And so one of the things that the Ubisoft deal actually does is it exempts from what cloud streaming rights are going to Ubisoft, anything in the EU, the economic area of Europe, uh, in order to allow Microsoft to meet its conditions within the European Union. So since those games are gonna be on multiple streaming services, Microsoft is not allowed to make a version that is solely optimized for Xbox cloud streaming. And again, that makes sense, but it's hard to believe that the deal with Ubisoft doesn't cover some of these things. Microsoft must port Activision games to non-Windows OS following a request from Ubisoft. Ubisoft may also request that Microsoft perform technical modifications, including to ensure that the Activision games support emulators like Proton. So I think this is important to a number of PC players, especially because the Steam Deck, which is a very popular mobile platform, uses Proton as its operating system. Ubisoft can go and ask Microsoft to move something off of Windows and into either an emulator or a different OS like Linux. And so because they have the right to do that, Microsoft would have to support it. Again, this goes back to the CMA kind of being worried that Microsoft was gonna use Windows and cloud together to take control of overall markets within those sub-markets. And whether or not you agree with the CMA that that's legitimate, that's what this kind of language is focused on. Ubisoft will compensate Microsoft for the Activision streaming rights through a one-off payment and through a market-based wholesale pricing mechanism, including an option that supports pricing based on usage. This will allow Ubisoft to license out the Activision streaming rights under any business model of its choosing, including buy-to-play, multi-game subscription services, or any other model that may arise. And I saw a number of people react online to this language. And I do agree that it's a little bit ambiguous in a way that isn't what Ubisoft's getting. You have to remember that the baseline of the Ubisoft agreement is that they are getting cloud streaming rights. They don't get the rights to distribute all Activision games on a download basis. They're only getting the right to stream those through the cloud. And so when you see reference here to buy to play it doesn't mean that ubisoft is suddenly going to have the right to sell call of duty into the market on any console of its choice it means that within the cloud streaming environment they can do it through an xbox game pass or ubisoft plus they can sell it by game like you saw with like google stadia or some other uh platform processes or any other model that may arise is just legal language designed to say hey we don't know what businesses will come up with in the next 10 15 20 years So Ubisoft has the right to distribute the cloud streaming rights however it sees fit, however it makes the most money for Ubisoft. Microsoft also agrees to provide technical support. That makes sense. And unfortunately for the parties, the proposed undertakings enable the CMA to monitor and enforce the party's compliance with the proposed undertakings. This includes allowing for the appointment of a monitoring trustee to oversee the party's compliance with the proposed undertakings if required by the CMA. Now I say unfortunately, because this is the kind of logistics, bureaucracy cost that Microsoft probably would have preferred to avoid having a third party looking over its shoulder on everything it does internally on these things. And it's unclear whether the CMA will actually require this. It says if required by the CMA, but by agreeing to do this, that does put another body potentially within what is already going to be a difficult merger, right? We're talking about thousands and thousands of people with certain redundant capabilities across Microsoft and Activision combined. but. One of the things we're going to talk about as part of this video is that the getting a merger done part of the process in terms of legalities and sending a check or an electronic transfer is in some ways the easy part of trying to put these companies together because now that the companies are together there's going to be a lot of decision making about what this is going to be looking like organizationally who's going to stay and who's going to not you're going to see certain layoffs certainly because there are a number of back office Uh, provisions from both Microsoft and Activision that are going to be doubled up. And the CMA is also going to be a part of this, it would look like. And certainly Activision has a notion of what it looks like to have a monitor within its organizational body, because this all started, if you remember, when Activision was getting sued by California and the EEOC, and they were agreeing to settlements that would allow somebody to monitor their compliance with sexual harassment laws and things like that, because of the claims that were made against Activision before all of this started. So that's also going to be something that Microsoft's going to try to clean up behind the scenes. And now before we get into the next section, I did see a number of questions pop up here in the comments. So I I will try to get to these when it makes sense in the course of looking at these documents. Buck, thank you so much for the super chat. Welcome back. Just supporting the channel. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Super Say says, hello, Hogue replay crew representing, just dropping in to ask a question I'd like answered. Hopefully I can answer it. Could a motivated FTC get us Congress to pass a law and then chase Microsoft and Activision Blizzard King for a law that didn't exist then? That's an interesting hypothetical. It depends on how that law were to be written. Chances are the answer is no under the U S constitution ex post facto lawmaking is not, is not to apply backwards like that, but. If it were to be written in such a way that it had a retroactive application date that covered this deal and certain other things fell the right way for a regulatory body, I could see it potentially happening, but it seems very unlikely that the FTC would move to get an actual new law passed. You see them putting pressure on Congress to get antitrust laws changed. But if the antitrust law definition changes after the fact, that doesn't change what happened with this deal these last two years. So I I think the short answer to your question is that seems very unlikely. The longer answer is there's probably a constitutional issue there, but there are kind of angels on the head of a pin versions of events that I could imagine where a law could be passed that could actually affect this deal in, in retroactivity, but it seems very unlikely. Thank you for the question. Let's make sure I handle these right. Super Say, thank you for becoming a YouTube member. I really appreciate it. Jeremy Morton, thank you for being a member for almost a year. Does F looks like it requires Linux game clients if asked for by UB? That was the one that was talking about Proton, right? Uh, You know, that's a great question. Uh, I think it's possible. One of the things that happens with these documents, right, is that these are essentially settlement agreements with a government regulator. So for the most part, Microsoft has indicated over the course of the past two years that it is inclined to do the things regulators ask and that it is inclined to treat them with kind of a white knight stance. So to the extent that you can read this language as requiring Linux game clients, I think Microsoft would be inclined to agree to what Ubisoft requested unless it proved prohibitively expensive. So does it require it? I think you could potentially say it doesn't. But Microsoft would be disinclined to do that. I think reading what they've done so far as part of this process. So hopefully that helps answer some of these questions. One of the reasons that I wanted to do this live is because I can't guess it's at everything that people might be interested to know about these things. So absolutely ask your questions. I will try to pick them up when I can, as part of going through some of these documents and talking to you all about the closing of the biggest deal in gaming history. So. Thank you so much. And I'll try to pick up the ones that aren't just super chats as well. Don't feel obligated to super chat. I don't want to bankrupt anybody on questions to a legal YouTube channel. All right, now in terms of the consultation, there were public comments here, and a number of people raised these, and I want to talk about these a little bit as well. So this is where the CMA is talking about when they offered these proposed undertakings, people were allowed to comment on them. For the reasons set out in the consultation, the CMA's preliminary review is that the UILs would resolve the potential lessening of competition. So they're going to allow this deal, but in response to the consultation, one third party submitted that the UILs, the undertakings only refer to Ubisoft paying an ongoing wholesale price for the Activision streaming rights and not in addition, a one-off payment for what it is acquiring. So they'd have to pay royalties, but not a one-off payment to start with, to get those rights was this party's concern. That is in fact, not the case and the CMA clarifies that in the next paragraph, says it notes that Ubisoft will be paying a one-off amount for the acquisition of the Activision streaming rights in addition to the ongoing wholesale price, which makes sense. Generally, in contract land, you have to pay something up front to get something new. That's called consideration. And so it's a little bit surprising that somebody out there thought they wouldn't pay something, but you can build it all into the royalties. It's just unusual. Ubisoft will pay this on completion of its acquisition of the Activision streaming rights from Activision. The one-off payment is not separately covered in the undertakings, however, as it will occur immediately prior to completion of the merger. Technically it will occur contemporaneous to the merger because Microsoft doesn't have the rights to sell before that, but that's fine. Whereas the UILs are aimed at addressing the CMA's residual concerns in relation to the ongoing relationship between the parties and Ubisoft post-merger. So they're saying, well, that party didn't quite understand that there would be a purchase price uh, requirement as part of these rights being transferred. And so the CMA says it doesn't really apply. The same third party also submitted the paragraph 8.1 of the proposed undertakings, which prohibits the parties from reacquiring any interest in the Activision streaming rights without the prior written consent of the CMA for a 10 year period should be amended so that the prohibition applies indefinitely. Whoever this third party is, and I'm sure some of you have some ideas, they're being very aggressive with the request to the CMA. You should be required to ask the CMA for permission to get the rights back indefinitely forever and ever till the end of the universe. The CMA says, well, our usual practice is to require 10 years of permission getting and the CMA considers that there's no basis for us to depart from that approach in this case. In addition, the CMA received several comments from members of the public. So a couple of things we can learn from these paragraphs, right? So this third party is an interested third party. It's somebody in the industry. It's not a member of the public, according to the CMA. It sounds like it's roughly what Sony has been doing beforehand, but I'm not going to Guess that it is Sony. There are other parties that could say similar things. Google, for instance, has also been a part of these conversations, Uh, but it is a very aggressive stance. The CMA essentially just diffused it with these couple of paragraphs. Then they've got other comments from members of the public. Other members of the public are concerned about the degrading aversions, that the UILs could restrict Microsoft from streaming Activision games on Game Pass, or that Microsoft could circumvent the UILs by moving production of Activision games to studios outside of the Activision group, right? They're gonna be a big combined development entity. So these members of the public said, well, we're still worried about degrading. On the other side, pro Microsoft, we're worried that we're not gonna be able to get our games on Game Pass, which is what Microsoft wanted to do here. And then also we're worried that, yeah, you're covering Activision games for the next 15 years, but what if they're not made by Activision anymore? And so justifiably, I think those comments are good Regarding the concern of degraded or delayed access, the Ubisoft investment agreement includes provisions requir- requiring parity in the quality content features and release date. We saw that, so they're not worried about degradation anymore and I don't think that was ever really a very strong argument. Regarding the access to the Activision games on Game Pass, the UILs do not prevent this as Microsoft will remain free post-merger to negotiate a license from Ubisoft to the cloud streaming rights, just like any other cloud streaming provider. Now. In honesty, this is another area where I think we've seen this throughout this whole process, but the CMA seems to be getting a little bit confused as to what Game Pass is and what a multi-game subscription service is as opposed to a cloud streaming service. I understand that a lot of these are delivered in packages and together, but Microsoft is allowed to put their games on Game Pass because that isn't cloud streaming in and of itself. Now, what this paragraph may be intended to answer is, can Microsoft have that little cloud button on Activision games in Game Pass? And the answer is yes, because they can license the rights back from Ubisoft. But in terms of just getting a game on Game Pass with some kind of blocked cloud button, Microsoft will have the right to do that period. They're making the games, they're gonna be spending the money making the games, they can put those on Game Pass as part of this deal regardless of what Ubisoft has in Cloudland. Regarding possible circumvention of the UILs by the release of future Activision content via other studios, the CMA considers that this is already addressed by the definition of Activision games in the UILs. In particular, Activision games are defined by reference to whether they are developed in whole or in part by any of the Activision studios or based in full or in substantial part on intellectual property rights in any Activision developed games that were previously commercially released by the Activision studios. So let's say Call of Duty is an example here. And this is one area where people might be a little bit upset that this definition is actually broader than they might've thought. Right? So in an effort to prevent Microsoft from getting around the streaming rights going to Ubisoft, one thing that might happen here is that Microsoft is going to be a little bit disinclined to develop Activision IPs with their other developers within the Xbox family. So if you thought, okay, well, Call of Duty is great, but maybe we could let 343 make some Call of Duty stuff. Maybe we could let some of the Activision developers make Transformers games or go back to what they were doing before. That is less likely to happen with this provision in place than it would have been otherwise because everything that uses Call of Duty or uses something that Activision owns, Spyro, Crash Bandicoot, whatever you wanna think of in place of Activision games here, even if it were developed by The Coalition or it was developed by another Xbox studio is gonna be counted as Activision games to which Ubisoft gets those cloud rights. So Microsoft has indicated here that they don't care about the cloud rights that much, but if they do, they are gonna have to give the rights to whatever those games are that are based on Activision-developed intellectual property, even if they were otherwise completely created by Microsoft Studios after the date of this agreement. So I do look at this paragraph and say, okay, that's probably necessary for what you're trying to cover here for the public comment and what you're ostensibly concerned about in your documentation, but it is going to grab things that are going to be potentially inefficient for Microsoft to develop on their own. So some of the advantages of moving the Activision brand of companies into the Xbox family are not going to be fully realized because of preventions like this. Other members of the public responding to the consultation either expressed support for the merger, considered that the merger should be referred to phase two investigation, or made comments unrelated to the matters at issue to the CMA's investigation. I like this catch all, right? Some of the comments we got were from gamers that were just spewing randomness. Have you been on Twitter lately? Asks the CMA. And so they didn't answer those. On this basis, the CMA does not consider that the third-party submissions received causes to change its preliminary view. The CMA therefore considers that the UILs offered by the parties are clear-cut and appropriate to remedy, mitigate, or prevent the competition concerns identified in the SLC decision. For the reasons set out above, the CMA considers that the UILs provided by the parties are a comprehensive solution, and the undertakings which have been signed by the parties and will be published on the CMA's webpages will come into effect from the date of this decision. So they're allowed to go ahead and, and there's more documentation here that basically repeats all of that. So we're going to skip that and get back to some comments and some questions. But that was what happened on Friday morning that really paved the way for all the news that you probably saw this weekend. Let's take a look at some of those questions. First of all, Midnight Dreary gifted a Hoag Law membership. And I'm very glad that I can highlight those now in this space. Thank you so much, Midnight Dreary. All of that is super helpful to keeping this channel going and keeping these conversations going. And I love having these conversations with all of you. The same goes for Lindsay, who gifted five Oglaw memberships. Thank you so much. I hope you guys enjoy your gifted memberships. We've got emojis and, and fun stuff happening on the channel. I think we're likely to do some members only streams at some point in the future, whether you're supporting us directly through YouTube, through a membership or through Patreon or player, but I have to coordinate some of that and get some of those ducks in a row. So give me some time there, but if you do like this content, we will be having more of it in the near future. Catherine Frazier, you must be relieved to be at the end of the negotiation phase. Thank you for keeping on top of this. I am relieved. I honestly, I'm proud of this playlist. I, I, I wanted to say that to you all. I'm hopeful that these 60 plus videos will be one of the more comprehensive looks in real time as things changed of one of the biggest deals in a major industry's history. So I'm hopeful that this will stand the test of time for that purpose, and I see people still going and referring back to older videos in this playlist as all this goes along. So I'm really proud of this, and thank you so much. I am happy that this is getting close to the end. I do wish that the regulators hadn't done some of the things that they have done in this process, as you've probably heard in many of my videos, but I'm glad that this is coming to an end. I have no doubt that Microsoft and its attorneys are even more glad than I am. God Emperor Sofa King says that sure sounds like Sony in some of the complaints that we were looking at here in this document. And I agree that it it sounds a lot like some of the arguments they made. I just don't think we can assume it's Sony because other parties have made similar arguments. Sony's been very aggressive on this, so I understand why people are coming to that conclusion. I just caution conclusions on that kind of thing in this space. Michael Mooney says, can you see any way Xbox could be excluded from offering its games on its streaming services? Well, I mean, yes, Ubisoft doesn't have to license it back to Microsoft. So if Ubisoft just decided that it was going to ask for too much from Microsoft or demand other restrictions in a contract with Microsoft that Microsoft just couldn't agree to, then Xbox wouldn't have the right to use cloud streaming on the Activision games that it's losing. Um, So. Yes. Is there a way that Xbox can be excluded? Yes. It's going to take a a deal between the parties. Now, candidly, I suspect that Microsoft has already kind of talked to Ubisoft about what that transaction might look like coming back, but things can change over the course of time. So yeah, don't assume that Xbox will get those rights, but I think it's likely that they will. And God Emperor Sofa King has become a YouTube member. Thank you so much, God Emperor Sofa King. I really appreciate it. And all of the support that all of you have given throughout this entire process. It's obviously been a very weird year for me here in Virtual Legality. It's been a weird year for Microsoft and Activision. And it's good to come to the end of one of these giant playlists, I think. Wait, I just noticed your background. Where's Gaming Dino? Asks Hello Darkness, my old friend, Sporting the Gaming Dino. They're right here. I got to get the directions right. They're always reversed on camera. They're on the shelf back there. We have changed the background a little bit. Uh, I'm sorry that the red wall is gone for right now, but uh, we're, we're working on some things. I figured you all would notice the new background, certainly. Uh, but uh, it's it's a fun one. We got, the, we got the, the bookshelf organized with a few fun Easter eggs back there including Gaming Dino. So please do enjoy. <laughs> I may mean, need a, a case closed bumper. Yeah. I, I need a button to hit that has some kind of, oh, this one's done playlist over. Uh, but yeah, we're not, we're not quite as fancy to have those bumpers here in this space just yet, but we're working on it, changing things around. All right. Now that's what happened with the CMA. And interestingly enough, as you might've caught in that document that we just went over, there is a little bit of, I wouldn't say necessarily passive aggressiveness, but it's close to that. That is even more apparent in the press release that CMA put out with this finding. So if you look at this from October 13th, 2023, Friday the 13th, the new deal for Microsoft to buy Activision without cloud gaming rights has been cleared after the CMA concluded it would preserve competitive prices and better services and describe what they've done. And then Sarah Cardell, chief executive of the CMA, said the CMA is resolute in its determination to prevent mergers that harm competition and deliver bad outcomes for consumers and businesses. We take our decisions free from political influence and we won't be swayed by corporate lobbying. So as part of this, as you can see in the playlist, Microsoft and the CMA wound up having a pretty significant war of words when the CMA originally moved to block this deal. And part of that was because the CMA originally set up their argument against Microsoft on the basis of math that was incorrect for whether or not Microsoft would keep call of duty primarily, but Activision games in general off of other consoles and keep them as exclusive to Microsoft. The Microsoft pointed out that math was wrong. They agreed that the math was wrong and then they moved their entire argument to cloud gaming and prohibited the deal on a basis that really wasn't briefed fully in the documentation that the CMA had used before that point. And so, Microsoft said essentially that the CMA is not playing fair on this. And the CMA has clearly been upset by the politicking around this deal and and what's happened in the interim. So there's a lot of quotes here that are, this is Microsoft's fault. We are the only competition agency globally to have delivered the outcome to move cloud streaming to Ubisoft. And that is in fact the case. The United Kingdom is the lone regulator to find an issue here and then to require Microsoft to divest the cloud streaming rights to another company, even though the European Union found that they were okay with having Microsoft just agree to give cloud streaming rights to all the cloud streaming providers as part of the sale of a game. But businesses and their advisors say the CMA should be in in no doubt that the tactics employed by Microsoft are no way to engage with the CMA. Now that's interesting from the outside looking in because Microsoft has only ever presented itself as kind of a white knight trying to agree with regulators as much as possible. You saw them agree to do things like have a neutrality towards labor unions in order to get the CWA on their side and to diffuse some of the comments that were being made about the labor situation at Activision. You saw them make similar attempts to make the FTC happy as well as the CMA. But the CMA is sitting here in this quote and saying essentially that Microsoft didn't do what they were supposed to do as part of the negotiation process in phase one and phase two. Microsoft had the chance to restructure during our initial investigation, but instead continued to insist on a package of measures that we told them simply wouldn't work. Dragging out proceedings in this way only wastes time and money. So it's the CMA's position that Microsoft came to the table during phase one and phase two and basically didn't agree to do any of the things the CMA required, including potentially getting rid of its cloud streaming rights to Ubisoft or someone else and that Microsoft only agreed on that after the phase two decision decided that they would prohibit the deal. Now, Microsoft didn't go through the entire appeals process because of the timing in which all this happened with the CMA. So it's unclear exactly what happened behind the scenes. We didn't have discovery. We didn't have testimony on these things. But even though I'm in favor of the deal, and even though I don't think the CMA had the strongest argument here, I can't imagine a world in which Microsoft also feeling like the CMA doesn't have the strongest argument here really didn't come to the table during the phase one and phase two negotiations and believe that they had to make significant concessions. So that could have been what happened behind the scenes, but we can't know that. CMA is claiming that and CMA is not a trustworthy provider of information on this particular point. We see it in their documentation. We see it in these quotes. They are trying to defend their existence and themselves politically. And we'll see why in just another minute as well. Martin Coleman, chair of the independent panel who reviewed the original Microsoft deal said, cloud gaming is an important new way for gamers to access games. And this deal could could have seriously undermined its potential development. We rejected a solution put to us by the parties which would have left Microsoft with too much control. We now have a new transaction which the cloud distribution of Activision games, old and new, is taken away from Microsoft and put into the hands of Ubisoft, an independent party who is committed to widening access to the games. That's better for competition, better for consumers, and better for economic growth. I think there's a lot of questions as to whether or not this is useful, having a third party involved in, in divesting certain of the rights is actually beneficial to gamers and consumers and the industry on the whole, but that's a reasonable minds can differ kind of argument and economics will differ on those questions as well. That's the CMA, but I wanted to highlight those quotes because you get the impression that however you feel about Microsoft, however you feel about these companies consolidating or the industry, this is a regulator that is a bit prickly on these points, right? Even in the face of agreeing to this deal, they spend their press release issuing quotes that say Microsoft was a bad actor here, right? Telling other regulators that you have to watch out for Microsoft effectively. And Microsoft can't love that, but I think in some respects, the CMA by by crying wolf on this so much and having quotes like this is part of their press release might be losing some of their own cachet as a policing regulator in the world order on these tech questions. So we'll see how that looks long term. And I promised you that I would mention why they're a little bit prickly. And this is from PostUp SOG on Twitter. PostUp is an Xbox fan, but has been, done a great job of kind of highlighting a number of these articles as they come out and, and putting forth some of the details here. This is from an article in the Telegraph that I was able to find, but that I don't have rights to because I'm not paying for a Telegraph subscription. Post up puts forth what the news was. Sarah Cardell, who you just saw give the quotes in that press release, said there is no reason to dilute planned new powers to regulate big tech companies. And all of this comes down to in the UK, we saw that their process does not mirror the United States in one important way, which is that there isn't a clear line to appeal a CMA decision, that the, the competition tribunal does not actually have full rights to reverse the CMA and actually is kind of hand tied a little bit by how the statute reads in the United Kingdom right now. And so there is some talk in the United Kingdom to say, hey, look, we don't want regulators to just make complete executive decisions as to how the law reads. We want the courts to have a say in that process. And so maybe there should be an appeals process that looks a little bit more like what happens in the United States. And the CMA, as you would expect, says, no, no, we don't need that kind of oversight. Right. Mr. Sudak is said to be spearheading a drive to let companies such as Microsoft smother the watchdog in red tape. This is editorializing from the article. Under the original proposals, the government wants to launch a new division, the Digital Markets Unit, which would give the CMA the power to fine companies such as Google and Facebook billions for breaking the watchdog's rules. However, the Mail on Sunday reported earlier this month that Downing Street, the, the prime minister, wants to introduce new appeal powers against CMA rulings in the upcoming Digital Markets Competition and Consumers Bill. Moves to let big companies tie up the CMA in costly and time-consuming legal appeals are said to follow a big tech lobby campaign to water down the new law. And again, this is one of those areas where reasonable minds can differ as to, you see this particular editorial or editorializing in this news article, suggesting that anything to lower the ability of the CMA to do these kinds of things is at the behest of big tech and is watering down their powers. But if you follow this deal, you can certainly see that there is value potentially in having the right to appeal on an objective basis under the statutory rules whatever a regulator might find against you we've seen in real time for the past almost two years that regulators are sometimes motivated by things other than the strictest reading of a statute and so i am again a lawyer in the business sphere i do antitrust uh compliance and i've done mergers and acquisitions for a long long time so you can take my tilt as anybody else's but I'm certainly inclined to believe that a more objective appeals based court based mechanism with respect to regulatory bodies is useful in general for smoothness of economic transactions. Now you can disagree with me just as easily as you can disagree with the CMA or Microsoft or anyone else. Uh, but that's the, that's the kind of background of what the CMA is dealing with right now is that this whole set of moves and Microsoft having as many lawyers and money as it does has put them under the spotlight in a way that they're not terribly comfortable with. And hence you get all of those quotes about how much of a good job they did, right? As they approved this deal, they did such a great job to get this cloud streaming notion out of the hands of Microsoft and into Ubisoft. And after all that, I said in a tweet on Friday morning, I wanted to do a video like this with you all here in this space when Microsoft finally closed the deal. Microsoft didn't take a long time to do that. However, on Friday the 13th, the morning of, they basically closed the deal immediately. Now, behind the scenes, I can tell you, lawyers are rushing around getting signatures and doing the various things, probably for the past couple of months and had them all held in escrow, as we call it in transactions, which means they're not effective until we say they're effective. Uh, But everybody has the signatures to know that the closing can happen. And then they move the money that morning and shareholders in Activision get the Microsoft money. The deals are closed and Activision is now, and Forevermore, we'll see how about that because Bungie was once Forevermore, Microsoft as well, uh, a member of the Microsoft Xbox family of gaming entities. And this more than doubled the personnel that work at Xbox games. And so we will see in the future how that actually falls out. I said in the BitCast this past weekend, if you don't watch the BitCast on Season Gaming, I'm there every Sunday, that one of the interesting questions here is whether Phil Spencer is the guy that leads Microsoft into the future. He's certainly the guy that led the acquisitions, but very often in my line of work, you see a CEO for the small company, you see a CEO for the growth company, and you see a CEO for the giant company. And there's an open question as to whether or not Phil Spencer will be that guy for Xbox with this now double in size set of developers. And honestly, I'm not even sure it's a one person job at this level of breadth uh, at Xbox, So, so we'll see. But Microsoft bought Activision. It's closed as of last Friday. And so that's the state of play as it sits right now. I know a number of you have questions about the FTC and some other things, we'll be talking about those as well. Don't worry about that. But as of right this second, all of these properties, all of the companies we've talked about are part of the Xbox family. And I'm totally okay with you thinking any way you want about that, whether it's good or bad. I tend to be in favor of transactions. Uh, One reason, because I've been doing transactions my whole career, But another reason is because I tend to believe that investment in an industry I love as much as I love gaming is a good thing. Microsoft had the option of essentially bowing out and leaving it to Nintendo and Sony or investing what wound up being about $100 billion uh, and getting to this position. And I think that's a good thing overall to have that kind of interest and investment in the gaming industry from multiple vectors. Does that mean that I think Xbox is guaranteed to make good use of these assets and have a pipeline of bangers for the rest of time? No, I hope so because I'm a gamer and I'd like to see all those bangers as it were, but I don't know how it will turn out. Nobody does not the FTC, not the CMA, not you, not me. Hopefully it turns out great. Midnight Trey says why Ubisoft and what happens if they are acquired by a rival? So my guess is that the document has a change of control provision. Generally speaking, when you give rights of any kind, including intellectual property rights, like cloud streaming rights, you have a change of control provision that says it's, voided or otherwise terminates if you lose control of your company. Uh, but if it's acquired by a rival, chances are there's some kind of reversion. If that isn't the case, then there might be a right to buy it out or Microsoft would have to live with working with the rival. But I suspect that their lawyers didn't leave that empty on this particular question. So why Ubisoft? The answer to that we'll see in just a second. It was part of a process of finding a divestment partner. So when you're negotiating these kinds of deals with a regulator, the regulator often has a say in what divestment looks like in order to make us happy. And so it turns out the CMA had a had a say in choosing Ubisoft as the party that would get the rights here. So we'll take a look at that in just a second. But thank you for the question. It's an excellent one. Corporistic makes a good point. I'm always skeezed out by calling corporate entities a family. Yeah, I don't blame you. I think one of the ways that uh, corporations, entities of any kind, LLCs, try to make you feel like you're a part of something bigger than yourself is by calling it a family. Hey, we're a family here. We're all on each other's side, et cetera, et cetera. My advice to anybody in those situations is that you need to understand that those entities are not your family and that if a better offer comes along, then you should at least consider it. And you don't have that moral obligation because they're not going to have that moral obligation to you. If you're not making the value for them that they thought you would, they, they won't have that kind of family preventing them from cutting ties at the end of the day. So. I get being skeezed out by it. Uh, I think it's just kind of PR speak for the most part, but yeah. Java for Andy says, I don't game at all, but I watch BitCast almost weekly. That's a very nice endorsement. Thank you. Yeah, we, we have good conversations there centered around the video game industry, but it's still us and our personalities. So you get to see that in that space. Thank you so much for watching, Java. All right. Now that's the statement there. Let's see what else we got here. One of the big questions people had is what happens to Bobby Kotick? Bobby Kotick, the current CEO of Activision, or at least current immediately prior to this acquisition, is a figure of some ill repute uh, and certainly gained some of that ill repute in the course of the news items related to Activision sexual harassment suits and things like that. People thought Bobby Kotick would be leaving as part of this transaction. He is, it looks like, but As I've mentioned in other videos in this series, when you've got a giant merger of companies, when you've got any decent sized merger of companies, very often the prior management of the company that was targeted and is now being eaten by the other company will stay on in what we call transition service capacity. Right. So generally speaking, some kind of agreement is entered into with the current management of a company target that says you're going to help us transition the company because we don't automatically have all the information needed to run this company, right? We run a video game company. Yes. We run a software company. Yes. We don't run yours. We don't know where all your headquarters are. We don't know where all your passwords to your servers are. We need somebody to just help us out to know where the files are kept, know where the bodies are buried. Now, that might be a little bit too literal in the case of Activision. So we won't use that one so much, but that's generally what's speaking. What you do is you need transition services. And so Bobby Kotick, not to my surprise, but apparently to the surprise of some other people, Said in a letter to his employees as of the closing of this deal, today marks a milestone in our company's celebrated history. This moment is possible because of your efforts over four decades to innovate, inspire and achieve. I have long said that I am fully committed to helping with the transition. Phil, meaning Phil Spencer, has asked me to stay on as CEO of Activision, Blizzard King reporting to him. And we've agreed that I will do that through the end of 2023. We both look forward to working together on a smooth integration for our teams and players. So said another way, Bobby Kotick is staying on through the end of the year. And one of the things I noted here is because this deal is happening in the middle of October, that's actually a shorter transition period than I would have expected. Generally speaking, whenever you have a merger of any kind of significance, you have a transition period of at least 90 days, usually six months or more. But Bobby Kotick has only agreed right now to stay on at Activision and through Activision stay on at Xbox through the end of the year. So. This is really about as short as you could have expected Bobby Kotick to stay on at the company. So if you hate Bobby Kotick, this isn't really a news item, and this is what should have been expected. But he may stay on a little bit longer than this. So if he doesn't leave on January 1, don't freak out if you really don't like Mr. Kotick's leadership. It's possible that it's just taking longer to digest this particular merger than Bobby Kotick or Xbox thought it might take. And again, as part of this process, you're talking about bringing in two giant organizations that do things at least slightly differently and trying to make them one culture with one efficient pipeline of producing video games and other pieces of software and intellect throughout the entire culture of the company. And that's going to take a little bit of time. Oh, that one didn't pop up, did it? Oh, this is a Game Developer Co uh, article about the deal getting closed that I wanted to flag for just a few things says the deal has been completed almost two years after it was announced, with Microsoft seeing off multiple regulatory challenges from the Federal Trade Commission and Competition Markets Authority along the way. Those regulators, which operate in the U.S. and U.K. respectively, said the deal would harm competition in the game industry by allowing Microsoft to make franchises like Call of Duty exclusive to Xbox platforms. Kind of. The CMA also believed the deal would enable Microsoft to quickly dominate the nascent cloud gaming market. So, what happened to those challengers? The FTC took Microsoft to court in the United States in a bid to block the deal, but ultimately failed to convince a judge the merger would substantially lessen competition. So, let's talk about that right now. The Federal Trade Commission is still an open question mark for Microsoft. But one thing that we've said in this playlist, and many of you probably already know, but a lot of folks outside this virtual legality environment don't know, is that unlike the UK and the european union which approve deals right you can't even buy the company unless it's approved in those jurisdictions the united states doesn't approve deals it only seeks to block them so the ftc failed in their attempt to block they went and asked for an injunction from a federal court federal court said no you didn't make your case federal trade commission can still move forward with its own regulatory process and determine even after closing that there is something that should be unwound right we've seen the ftc do that a little bit with Facebook purchases. We see them doing some of that right now with other aspects of antitrust law, but the FTC could determine later on that this deal is something that violates United States antitrust law and that Microsoft would be forced to unwind Activision. Now, once the combination has been made, it becomes even harder for the FTC to win their case because a court is less likely to try to unwind things that are inextricably interlinked. So this whole process that we're talking about right now of Xbox digesting Activision and how difficult it is, that's gonna result in effectively irreversible changes to Activision and Xbox. And so the courts, the FTC might go to seek a withdrawal and a divestment are less likely than they were beforehand to give a preliminary injunction. So the FTC's chances of winning there are very low and low enough that Microsoft agreed to close even with that being out there. So Microsoft probably didn't have to close under the terms of their merger agreement with the FTC going forward and looking at a regulatory action against this deal, but they viewed the risk to be low enough. And I agree with them that they could close it without worrying about the FTC too much. So the fact that this deal closed at all on October 13th is indicative of a Microsoft that believes the chances of the FTC unwinding this are very, very low indeed. So as you ask that question, definitely note that Microsoft big company thinks it's unlikely. I think it's unlikely. You don't trust me for anything. But I think it's unlikely that the FTC can succeed, but they will be proceeding down the road a little bit, which is part of the story that we'll see a little bit later in this video as well. The CMA, meanwhile, blocked Microsoft's original merger proposal over fears it would alter the future of the fast-growing cloud gaming market. Despite that setback and a rather high-profile war of words between those parties, Microsoft sought to remedy the situation by agreeing to a transfer Activision Blizzard's cloud gaming rights to French publisher Ubisoft for the next 15 years. After making that commitment, Microsoft submitted a revamp proposal to the CMA that new look deal was approved by the C- the UK regulator, which described it as a game changer that will promote competition. Now I wanted to flag these couple of paragraphs because this description is actually a little bit wrong. Transfer Activision Blizzard's cloud gaming rights to French publisher Ubisoft for the next 15 years. So what the agreement for cloud streaming rights does is give the rights to Ubisoft in perpetuity, perpetually forever, but only for products that are developed now in the past or in the next 15 years so call of duty modern warfare 3 through call of duty modern warfare 17 whatever it'll be in 15 years ubisoft will have the rights to those but they'll have the rights to those forever and there's no reversal there's no giving back to microsoft at the end of a contract concept in their documents the cma is very clear about that as they describe these particular undertakings so it's not a transfer to ubisoft for the next 15 years It's a transfer forever of things made in the next 15 years. And that's a distinction that's important to lawyers. I think it's important to actually describing these things. And I see this kind of uh, Scrivener's error type mistake a lot when these things are described. But if you're thinking about it yourself, just know that Ubisoft gets the rights forever, but only to the things made between now and 2038. The Verge and Tom Warren did an article about this Ubisoft transaction, which I thought was interesting. If you live in a country that's part of the European economic area, which includes EU countries and also Iceland, Liechtenstein, and Norway, then you'll get a free license to stream via any cloud gaming ser- streaming service of your choice, all current and future Activision Blizzard PC and console games that you have purchased. If you're outside the EEA, then it's up to Ubisoft which services get cloud streaming rights for Activision Blizzard games, including licensing those back to Microsoft to include in Xbox cloud gaming. In theory. Ubisoft could deny Microsoft a license for future Activision Blizzard games, but in reality, that's extremely unlikely to happen. Microsoft will need to pay a wholesale arrangement fee to license Activision Blizzard games for its cloud services. It's also legally possible for Ubisoft to offer Activision Blizzard games exclusively on certain cloud providers, but again, very unlikely. I say unlikely because unlike secret deals in the games industry for exclusivity or to keep games off Xbox Game Pass, everyone knows Ubisoft is controlling the rights here, and the company would face a backlash if it attempted to deny or block games from certain cloud services. Maybe. Again, I think on all of these things, the money is going to matter, right? What, what does the math say? Ubisoft is going to follow the math on these things, and if some cloud provider is trying to seriously undercut what Ubisoft can abide by, Ubisoft isn't going to give to that cloud provider. Why Ubisoft? A number of companies wanted the cloud gaming rights for Activision Blizzard games and had especially, essentially pitched the competition to Marcus Authority in the UK. The interview like process meant the CMA picked out the companies that would work best with its concerns over cloud gaming. And then it was up to Microsoft to ultimately decide on which company to restructure its deal with. So you can see the CMA was looking as we saw in their document for somebody that would operate somewhat equivalent to how Activision would have operated on its own. And so they made sure that the streaming rights stayed with Ubisoft. Now in my personal opinion, I think that overlooks some of the synergies and value of bringing the cloud streaming rights together into a bigger, company like Xbox. And by just saying the way that the world worked with Activision out there is superior is just kind of a fait accompli. It's assertion without evidence in my opinion, but that's what the CMA decided to do. Activision Blizzard games will also be made available on a variety of cloud gaming services. Thanks to deals Microsoft struck to appease EU regulators. That includes Nvidia, Boosteroid, Enware, uh Ubitus, and EE. Microsoft has also signed deals with Nintendo and Sony for Call of Duty and made a commitment to Valve to keep Call of Duty on its Steam store. So yes, if you are a Call of Duty player, you should see Call of Duty basically anywhere you want to play it. Uh, As for the the uh, the rest of the Activision games, where they appear in terms of cloud streaming is an open question. I think we can expect them on Game Pass in the near term, but not immediately. As we see from Xbox Game Pass's own tweet, today we can now begin the work of bringing ABK's iconic and groundbreaking games to Game Pass. We can't wait to share more details in the coming months. It's going to be a process. It's going to take a little bit of time for that to happen. So in answer to the question of when you can expect to see some of these things on Game Pass, the answer is I would expect something like Q1 or Q2 of next year uh, in order to get those games on Game Pass. And that period might only be an announcement of the games coming to Game Pass. It's going to take a little while to figure out exactly how they want to present these. They probably want most of these properties to get their own time in the sun. So there might be a kind of delayed on-ramp on the Game Pass. But then I think you'll see almost all of them in that space. Will you see King Games? I don't, I don't think so, but hey, we'll see. And then here is a Reuters uh, article with a big old highlight thing in the way here. So sorry about that. Uh, says pressing on, say, U.S. antitrust enforcer—that's the FTC to you and me—says they're pressing on with fight against Microsoft-Activision deal. So this is what a lot of folks have been talking about. Not anything about Judge barring Trump from targeting prosecutors. Thank you, Reuters. Nailed it. Well, suffice to say that article just went over what we were talking about, that the FTC was still going to be around. I also got asked this question from Eurogamer about what the FTC was likely to do, and we can see I'm quoted here by Tom Phillips in this article regarding the closing of the deal. It says, what did I say to Tom? Let's see. Recent document filings suggest the FTC means to continue its examination slash challenge of the deal, but unlike other jurisdictions like the EU and UK, the US regulatory agencies do not get a veto. Their approval is not strictly required. Since the FTC lost its attempt to use the US courts to stop the deal, Microsoft evidently determined that the risk of the FTC being able to later unwind the deal was minimal enough to accept. I tend to agree. And that's what you heard from me in this space. Uh, but again, reasonable minds can differ. The FTC is going to move forward. One of the things that people have also maybe gotten a little bit mixed up on is that the preliminary injunction hearing that we heard with respect to the FTC and Microsoft, is not a full hearing on the merits, right? That court didn't actually decide whether or not the Federal Trade Commission had a complete uh, case against the deal on the virtue of it being violative of antitrust grounds. All it had to decide was whether or not the situation warranted in joining the deal before it could happen and before the court could even go through all those merits and decided that they did not have that kind of case. Now, the reason that's important is because one, because the court didn't reach the merits, the FTC can still go on their own regulatory path and try to talk to their own administrative judge about potentially saying the deal is violative of antitrust then using that administrative action to get another court to give them the right to unwind this transaction but also because that's probably the, the the best chance that the ftc had right in that particular context the court has to assume certain aspects of the ftc's case as being true and proven when they actually have to prove it with evidence in any other context so What we're looking at is a situation in which the FTC is a little bit dragging its heels, being a little bit prickly on its own to go against this deal and is unlikely to succeed in the long term. And Microsoft acknowledged that. And I think that it's unlikely that the FTC is actually going to unwind this thing, but they are going to have a administrative action going on behind the scenes. Microsoft will be appearing at that hearing and will have to say that everything is going to be fine. So you'll see some news items come out I don't think that those will be added to this playlist because I don't think that new items will come out that are very exciting or interesting. But if you do see something in this space and you want me to talk about it, or you have questions about it, let me know, because I love having these conversations. And now that we're at the end of the documents that I prepared, please do, please do give me any questions or comments that you have things that you would like covered a little bit more things that you thought worked out well in this playlist, or maybe that you didn't like. I'm open to any and all conversations on this point because I love talking about all of this with you. All right, let's see what Slipgear Gear has to say. How would things change if Microsoft decided to discontinue game streaming services altogether? Well, I mean, I think from a logic perspective, they have to deliver things on parity. You could argue that if they're not preparing any of their own streaming services, that not delivering things to Ubisoft would be on parity with not preparing anything on their own. But I don't think that would actually work for them again, because I don't think streaming is actually a separate market; it's just a delivery mechanism. So chances are, if they're making a game, they have to deliver that to Activision as a game, and Ubisoft has to figure out how to stream that. But uh, outside of Microsoft actually taking a step to hurt it in some way, I don't think their discontinuing of game streaming actually affects what they owe Ubisoft. So hopefully, that's an answer to your question. It's it's basically. Microsoft could try to be really aggressive on what that contract actually says using definitions and whatnot, but they have not demonstrated that they are likely to do that. Chris Gomez says Ms. Khan, speaking of Lena Khan, the head of the federal trade commission, was appointed to specifically go win a big tech case. I personally feel laws should be changed through Congress, but many regulations change laws by just pushing the envelope. Oh, I mean, I think we've seen the FTC try to advocate for interpretations of these Sherman Antitrust Act and the Clayton Act that are not, in correspondence to how those acts were passed or how they've been interpreted now for a hundred years. And so I agree that if Congress wants to have some of the effects that the FTC seemingly wants them to have, Congress should move to change the laws. But the FTC seems to be advocating for certain positions that I don't think are warranted. And we'll see whether or not they finally win one of these court cases that would change antitrust laws and in its interpretation. Hey Kurt, welcome to the chat. Question, why is Hogue Hogue? You know, I don't know. I just try to keep on keeping on, man. That leads to Hogue being Hogue. Big Pod says, Hogue, I'm quite happy uh, Activision Blizzard King is Microsoft. It might actually get closer back to better days. I think a lot of people like change in this particular instance because Activision was getting a little stagnant. They'd moved all their companies to making primarily Call of Duty. And they had all those complaints from California and the EEOC and new management seems like it would be a better outcome. I can't promise that change will be good here, but I am also enthusiastic and hopeful that change will result in a lot of those old intellectual properties coming back and Microsoft being a good competitor to PlayStation. RJH00 says, Hogue, it makes sense for Bobby to stay for a short while, but it's still interesting that he's getting kicked out on January 1st and not April 1st, which Microsoft could have chosen to do. Well, I don't think he's getting kicked out, certainly from the way that Bobby framed it in his letter. And you can take that with a grain of salt as you will as well he wanted to have a clean break at the end of the year. And that's useful for tax reasons. That's useful for financial record keeping uh, and useful just in terms of mental aspects, right? New Year's is a good time to do something different. So it doesn't surprise me that he would say, okay, I'm willing to do it to the end of the year. Remember when this deal was supposed to have gotten done by was uh, what was uh, July 18th. And so that would have been a six month kind of window. I suspect Phil asked him in the middle of this sequence, he said, I'll stay till the end of 2023. And now that's not that long so that's why i'm telling folks even though he says that in the letter that's what's been agreed to kind of as a handshake deal it wouldn't surprise me if transition services actually went further than that so i don't think he's getting kicked out i think he's trying to set his own parameters remember he's going to be a very rich man as soon as the money clears and hits from the stock that he owned in activision not to mention what he's going to get from retiring as ceo so he's he's looking forward to the next phase of his life anyway The rambling gamer guy asks if Xbox makes an Activision game exclusive, like a new IP, could Sony then try to gain access to those games from Ubisoft via cloud? Yes. Yes. So when you say an Activision game, we're going to presume it matches the definition that everyone has put forward in the CMA undertakings that includes current Activision titles, like if they made a Crash Bandicoot game or a Spyro game or a Call of Duty game, made it exclusive to Xbox, then they have to give the cloud streaming rights to Ubisoft. Ubisoft could absolutely negotiate with Sony to have it included on PlayStation Plus cloud, right? But they couldn't, Ubisoft doesn't have the right to give native experiences to anyone. So even when you see buy-to-play, that's just talking about buy-to-play for cloud access, uh, not buy-to-play as we would think of for download access. So yes, they can go around the horn through cloud, but they won't necessarily have native access to anything that Xbox makes through the Activision game side of things. Mrs. Hoaglaw is asking a question to Gamer Ducko. did it have something to do with a D20? Don't know what this is about, but sometimes you just go through the chat and you find random comments, like my wife asking about D20s. Hmm. Bad as a Hog says, this entire deal was just for Candy Crush. Also, Activision and especially Blizzard's constant and egregious anti-consumer practices will start to affect the Xbox brand now. I mean, I think the hope is that whatever negative patina Activision and Blizzard had over the course of the past few years, can be cleansed under new management, but that doesn't always work. And you might be right that essentially it'll go the opposite way. So we'll see. I'm hopeful because I'm a gamer that this deal winds up with great games and better outcomes for the people that make those games within the Xbox family. I can't guarantee that, but I'm hopeful about it because that's what I would like as a gamer to support. So we'll see as for Candy Crush. Yes, certainly King was an important part of this deal. Microsoft wants to be involved in mobile. There's a lot of money to be made in mobile. King was definitely a driver of this deal. We said that very early on in the playlist. You can go back and check the receipts there. Toxic Cat says, I'm all for wanting better regulations, but the way Lena Khan and Elizabeth Warren is going at it it makes the entire agency look corrupt. I don't know about corrupt. I think they look politically motivated, which maybe is what you mean by corrupt and maybe what some people mean by corrupt. Uh, I think if you go back to the playlist, you can hear me talk about what a politically motivated regulator might do and you'll, you see the FTC and the CMA acting in that way as politically motivated. Um, I do agree that if you want changes to the antitrust regulations and you want to change to the way the antitrust laws are interpreted, you have to go change those laws. You can't just have a regulator say the laws mean this now, that's not an effective way to run the government. So I hear what you're saying. I'm just a little bit less inclined to use the word corrupt specifically rjh00 says people can't imagine things can get much worse over at activision blizzard king so they're willing to give microsoft a chance i think that's right i think in a different world in which activision wasn't going through the lawsuits that they were facing there would be even more kind of pushback from microsoft taking them on but i think any change is good change is kind of a, a notion that is i've seen floated around with respect to activision i don't agree with it that entirely there are still ways that it could be worse, but I don't think it's likely. So I think this is probably overall going to be a good thing for the people who work at Activision. And I'm very hopeful for them. Mr. Valdez says, when do you expect a big Xbox showcase with Activision games and new Game Pass editions? I suspect in the early June era. I think they'll do a, an E3 showcase. We saw it this year with Xbox and Bethesda and then a Starfield Direct. It wouldn't surprise me if they had some big new Activision game on the horizon that got its own direct, uh, and we moved on from there. But we'll see. Squad Hunter One One Seven says, "I got a question. So, say if like Crash Five comes out as exclusive and Sony wants it on the cloud service, does that mean Microsoft has to make a PS5 version? Well." The cloud services don't really work that way in terms of the the native running. I suspect most of the cloud services run through a Windows version and, and Windows servers right now. So essentially the question is if they make Crash 5 exclusive to Xbox, would they have to make a PC version essentially to run on cloud? Somewhat, it really depends on what Ubisoft asks for. What they have to deliver is Crash 5 executable to Ubisoft and set, and give Ubisoft the right to stream that how they see fit. If Ubisoft needs help to make their streaming solution work like a PC version or even a Sony version, if that's the way that Ubisoft servers work somehow, then yes, Microsoft would have to make that. But I don't know that that's entirely likely as part of this process, but yes, definitely Ubisoft and Sony have a way to get the cloud versions of the games to the Sony ecosystem if that's what those parties desire. Kopuristic asks how many entities are of a similar size to Microsoft in the gaming space right now? Zero, none. So Microsoft was about in the in the like the seven eight thousands uh, before all of these transactions took place. Activision Blizzard King was above ten thousand employees, so they they basically doubled in size from this transaction alone. And Bethesda Zenimax added a number of additional folks to the Microsoft side of things. So they're they're leagues above everybody else except maybe Ubisoft. And that's only because Ubisoft has so many kind of satellite companies. So it's possible Ubisoft has the same number of employees. Uh, but I don't think even they do. And certainly the value of their intellectual property does not match what Xbox now owns. That's what they spent $100 billion on. Midnight Fury, thank you for gifting another Hoglaw membership. I really appreciate that all the support from everybody today is fantastic. Thank you so much. Can they make a game with no cloud access? Well, when you make an executable, they'll deliver it in native format. And then the contract with Ubisoft says that they have to make it available to Ubisoft for cloud streaming. So the answer to that is no. Pop Belly Punch says Activision is a symbiote that has absorbed Xbox and not the other way around. Certainly Activision Gaming is bigger than Xbox Gaming. But whether you want to call it a merger of equals or not, It is the case that Microsoft and Xbox is in control. They're the ones that are going to run management. And so ideally, the culture of Xbox would be more prevalent than the culture of Activision, at least as described in those lawsuits. But we shall see. The proof will be in the pudding, but it will take a little bit of time. What if it's just a completely new IP that doesn't yet exist, but is given to an Activision studio to develop? Does the cloud deal also affect such games? Yes. So I went over it at the top of this video, but the de- the definition of Activision games is developed by Activision. So that would include the existing Activision infrastructure, but that's a little bit difficult for the definition to handle because those companies could be absorbed, right? you could have high moon studios become part of compulsion and then it's only compulsion and then the question becomes if compulsion makes something is that an activision studio so the the definition also includes anything that is covering an activision ip that exists today so if they're making call of duty at whatever company that's going to be covered and then if an activision studio as it exists at the time of the deal makes anything let's say that there's a new australian animal that isn't a bandicoot that now has a new platformer that an activision company works on then yes, that would be covered by the Ubisoft deal. Chris asks, I'm curious if there will be movement from the Supreme Court of the United States to ban administrative courts, that would be a massive hit to how processes run now, especially at the Internal Revenue Service. Yes, so we saw the Axon case, which I covered as part of this playlist, come out in this last Supreme Court opinion term, and that did say that the administrative courts might be in violation of the constitution for reasons of violating due process and things like that. And if you don't know what we're talking about here, you can look earlier in the playlist, but suffice to say, the federal trade commission has a process that they can go and seek a judge within their own court system, the administrative court system of the FTC to rule on whether or not the deal that they're looking at is a violation of the antitrust laws. And then once they get that ruling back, they can appeal it to themselves if they don't like the outcome, decide that that judge was wrong and then the companies in question with respect to the deal only have the out the, the outlet of going and asking for an appeal from the federal court system and the federal courts before now have not been able to look at that entire process until the FTC or the irs was complete with their administrative court hearing and it was challenged this most recent term to say that's not fair they, they could take forever and they do take forever to do that and this deal is held up it hurts everybody economically And we have a right to not have these things blocked without some kind of recourse in the court system. And so the Supreme Court agreed with them and said, yes, you can go and appeal that even before that administrative process is done. But that was giving them permission to do that. We're still one step away from that actually being done and found to be a violation of the constitution. So yes, I think there might be a push to say the administrative court process is violative of the constitution. And that would have major ramifications across kind of the statutory infrastructure of a lot of administrative court systems in the United States, but that hasn't happened yet. Toxic Cat asks the important questions. What about Skylanders? Is it possible for that to come back in 2023? I would love to see Skylanders come back. I think most anything is possible, but I think in terms of qualifying it, I would say it's not super likely. I would like to see Skylanders back. I think you're looking at a couple of years because you're talking about manufacturing as well as making a video game in the case of Toys to Life. Same with Guitar Hero. I think that would take a little bit longer than just releasing a new product. The Rambling Gamer Guy asks, do you think Microsoft will handle integration slower due to the pending FTC case in the slim chance that they would have to divest? If anything, I would say it's the opposite, right? We talked about the fact that the courts are disinclined to make people divest when it's really difficult to do so, when things are already kind of inextricably intertwined. Microsoft has a strong incentive to get as entwined as possible, as fast as possible because the FTC is continuing to punch on these various things. Now they can't be super obvious about that. And they can't have emails saying we need to get this done fast. But if you, if you watch football at all, it's a little bit like a kind of questionable decision happening with a penalty and then the team running up to the line of scrimmage and getting a playoff really quickly. So it can't be unwound. Microsoft is kind of in that mode. So rather than going slower, they will move at a good clip. I would say a faster clip than they might otherwise without the FTC breathing down their necks. Hello darkness, my old friend with another five whole law memberships. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. I think that's error. Prawn three says political motivation is worse, presumably than corruption with corruption. It's usually easy to understand. It is all about money. Getting people's fees involved seems to be way too random based on this. I mean, I think, I think both are problematic. I am not going to tell you that there can't be reasonably minded people and and good intention people that are politically motivated on these things. That is almost that is almost worse in certain cases, because if somebody's righteous in their feelings and think they're defending people and are legitimate about that, that that's harder to argue against. And it's more likely that you have kind of perversions of the use of power. So I get concerned about political motivation just as much as corruption, but it's a little bit harder. To make that argument in certain spaces, Vintage Willow, thank you so much for the for the Hoglaw memberships. I really appreciate the gifting, and it's good to see you here. I know you came late, but I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Big Pod says Hoglaw. As far as I know, Microsoft uses bespoke servers that essentially are server versions of the Xbox. I think that's right. But Remember, we're talking about what Ubisoft does. I don't know how Ubisoft Plus works. I don't really know how PlayStation. Plus works. Now I know they purchased on live way back in the day, but that could be uh, completely changed by now in terms of the technological infrastructure. So I don't know what kind of product or version Microsoft would actually have to deliver to make Ubisoft happy. So Microsoft knows how to deliver their own cloud servers, but I don't know what Ubisoft is going to require. And I don't think the CMA did. That's why there's provisions in there that says you have to give what Ubisoft requests essentially statistical bet says, thank you for making important news. Interesting. I really hope so. I love doing this. I love having these conversations. I love talking with you all. I'm not a gamer, but big mergers have knock on effects and you make these topics much more clear to me. I really appreciate that statistical bet. I really hope I do. Uh, Even if they made a Sony version that don't, they don't have to sell it on the Sony platform and Sony couldn't distribute it without Microsoft permission as a native version. I'd imagine. Yeah. We're not talking about native versions. We're talking about cloud versions, native versions, Microsoft can deliver how it wants to, it's controlling all of that. We're only talking about cloud streaming and you could see how closely they, they feel in people's minds is why I think that it's really not a very legitimate separate market. We're talking about delivery of the same kinds of products and that's confusing even as we discuss it right now. So I don't think it's a separate market. I think in the long term, Microsoft would have won that in like a court setting, but the CMA kind of, Put a roadblock up and they weren't sure they were going to win at the, the competition tribunal level so they moved forward with the ubisoft deal would it even be financially worthwhile for ubisoft to have a cloud option for playstation 5 i don't know pluto boy i really don't that's that's behind the scenes kind of mathematics there and it depends on what sony would charge for ubisoft to have their own version up versus what they would give to ubisoft for putting it on through the playstation plus right so there's all these business negotiations that happen behind the scenes The CMA's position, again, if you want to give them the full benefit of the doubt, is that that's the way the free market and economics is supposed to work, right? We don't know what we don't know about how that would look long term. We just want to make sure there's a big player that's evaluating those things for itself. And that competition, that evaluation of pricing and profit will result in a good outcome for gamers. I don't tend to think that the separation of these rights actually is terribly useful to gamers, but that's the CMA's position. Mr. Two Opinionated, thank you so much for the super chat. Does Ubisoft make any dollars off the microtransactions of the games being streamed? Uh, I don't know. That would depend on what their agreement with the people giving them the content is. I, I That wasn't addressed in the Microsoft Undertakings document. So the answer is I don't know. I think it's just royalties based on usage for cloud streaming. If Ubisoft gets purchased, what happens to the streaming rights? So I answered a question like this a little bit before. The answer is, again, we don't know because we don't have eyes on the details of that agreement. But usually in an agreement like that, you've got a change in control provision that says, if your company experiences a change of control, either the rights revert back to us, the deal is terminated, which is similar to a reversion, or we get some kind of buyout, right? Um, so I would expect Microsoft to have protected itself there. Again, you're, you're looking out for Sony buying Ubisoft, right? or or nintendo nintendo buying ubisoft so chances are that that was covered in the agreement uh but if it wasn't then contracts can be transferred and can be assigned and then microsoft would have to deal with whoever the purchaser of ubisoft is i feel like this actually puts sony in a weird position if ubisoft plus is on playstation do they tell ubisoft not to? and this is a similar result i i don't think so i don't I don't know. Again, this would be on a case by case basis. Sony would be evaluating the value of having a product in their ecosystem and selling PlayStation units versus essentially advertising and selling content for Microsoft, right? And if, if Microsoft goes out there and says, yeah, you can play it over here, but you can get it natively on game pass with the purchase of an Xbox. Maybe that isn't something Sony wants to advertise. Nobody really knows how this is going to shake out from a business perspective. That was the purpose of this from the CMA's perspective, is to let it shake out through the free market. You don't have to agree with them on that, but that's really what it is long-term. Lucia says, so Activision Studios can't even work as support studios or else they would be giving cloud rights to a game? Yes. So let's say 343 is making a game and uses Sledgehammer for help. Yeah, so 343 is making the next Halo and says, hey, we've got all these first-person shooter companies at Activision coming over, let's get some help on here. Let's make the game even bigger and better by the way it's described in the CMA's documentation, then that would be a quote unquote Activision game because Activision companies helped develop it and Microsoft would owe the cloud rights to Ubisoft. So this is one of those areas where, again, I think maybe a little bit between the lines, a little bit unclear to folks that are just looking at this on a face perspective is going to result in less economic usefulness than it could have otherwise realized, right? Because I do think there's going to be a reluctance in Microsoft for the integration to have touch points with Activision that could potentially result in the cloud streaming rights going to Ubisoft. Now, if you believe Microsoft that cloud is just, isn't that important, then that's not going to drive their decision-making. But if you instead agree with the regulators that cloud actually secretly is important and Microsoft knows it's important, then they're going to be really reluctant to have those rights go away and use Activision Studios in support for the other things that they're doing, because there's no reason to give those rights away if they don't have to. So yeah, I think that that's a good question. And I do strongly suspect that's going to put certain roadblocks and landmines in the integration process as they try to figure out how they can best make video games without giving more rights than necessary to a third party. Does Ubisoft have the rights to all territories or just the UK? They have the rights to everywhere except the European Union. And that's because of the European Union agreements that Microsoft made. Does this mean Microsoft has to pay Ubisoft to put their own games in xCloud? Yes, they do. And they can't get a better deal than anybody else. Toxic Cat says, Hogue, I personally see this crusade against big tech as a political stunt more than someone who cares about consumers she even had an essay paper on amazon she wrote a long time ago she absolutely did um and that's probably why she got the job in all honesty uh and i'm not going to tell you you're wrong to see it as more political than oriented towards helping consumers you remember in the hearing with microsoft the judge reminding the ftc's counsel to argue for consumers and not just for sony and that can happen one of the things i say early in this playlist and in the epic versus apple playlist is that antitrust laws are confusing laws for a lot of people, including judges and lawyers, because violating the antitrust laws is supposed to protect consumers, but it's very easy to kind of get co-opted by a competitor in an industry who says whatever deal that they didn't enter into is bad, but protecting competitors is going to hurt competition in the long run more than in helping the consumers. And the consumer welfare standard has been the American standard for as long as I've been a lawyer and longer than I've been alive. So, Yes. I think it is a crusade. I think the FTC has lost a lot of cases on this. I think that the Amazon case is a questionable one. If you've seen that described in the news, I'm not going to be covering that in this space because quite frankly, I don't have the appetite for a big, long playlist about antitrust law with Amazon after we just completed this one with respect to Microsoft. But there are question marks with respect to that Amazon uh, lawsuit. And I'm not sure that that's a winner for the FTC either. Right, Sun says, considering that according to Tom Warren, there was a set of suitors in Microsoft went with Ubisoft, I think there might be something more to this deal. Well, I, I think Tom Warren's right there. He knows more than I do on the ground on this, but that's not unusual for what we're talking about here, which is that a regulator has said, you know, we're going to need you to divest something. Then, essentially, you don't want to go through the process of arranging a divestiture that the regulators wouldn't like. So, whenever that happens, you've got the regulators involved with figuring out what the divest the divestiture party is going to be so that's not a surprise i don't think that means that there's something more to the deal there could be but i don't think that just the fact that the cma was involved in talking through these issues means that this is something to be questioned on its on its face carol smile says shout out to Hogla for helping us hold the line and holding us down these long 22 months of the ABK deal hold the line being a reference to the iron lords podcast that uh, developed the phrase hold the line when A lot of people were commenting on this channel and elsewise when the CMA originally issued their block and the FTC was suing for their preliminary injunction that the deal was dead, which point I said, I I think I give it 30% chance. And the primary reason I gave it 30% chance is that I said, it really depends on the appetite Microsoft has to fight these things because with this much pushback, a lot of companies would just say, no, it's not worth it. What you saw in the intervening months since then is that Microsoft clearly had a a large appetite for fighting these things and going through this entire process. And you can see why that appetite was necessary because it took so many months and untold amounts of legal bills, right? There are lawyers upon lawyers that have been fighting these fights in hearings and in discovery and looking through documentation and advising them. And I can't even tell you how high their legal bills are on this. Now it's nothing compared to $70 billion, but it's a lot of money period. So they had an appetite for moving forward with this. And that's what you can't guess at when you're asking me for percentages and I said, well, They've got a lot of headwinds, so I'm gonna put it at 30% because they have to really want to fight this fight. And as it turns out, they really did. Do I think that Microsoft is worried about the FTC lawsuit? I do not. I'm hoping they can at least find common ground. I don't think that's likely. I think that ship has probably sailed, Uh, but I don't think Microsoft is worried about the FTC lawsuit. That's pretty much indicated by the fact that they closed the deal. If they were worried about the FTC lawsuit, they would have waited longer and let that run out a little bit longer. Or at least waited until the 18th in order to use all the days that they had under the existing amended activision blizzard merger agreement top shot thank you so much for the super chat what's stopping microsoft from including ubisoft plus into game pass as a discount for giving them cloud streaming rights similar to ea play um Nothing is stopping them from including Ubisoft like they include EA Play. They have to make sure that the math works from the outside because they're not allowed to give sweetheart deals to each other. The thing that the CMA was concerned with was that this contract looks fine, but they might agree to discounts that make it not worth what they think it's worth. And so Microsoft can include Ubisoft plus on game pass and do a deal like they did with EA Play, but they have to make sure that it looks like a, what we would call an arm's length third party transaction fair on its face. BigPod says, Hogue, based on what I'm seeing, Ubisoft likely isn't using Windows but Linux, but not sure. Yeah, I think that's entirely possible. And certainly the fact that the CMA called out being able to use emulators like Proton suggests that Ubisoft indicated that that might be useful to them. So it's very possible they're not using Windows. Rambling Gamer Guy asks, Hogg, if you had to give an analysis of the impact of this deal, would you compare it to something like Disney Landing Fox? I'd argue this is more important than Disney Landing Fox, honestly. Disney already had a major foothold in media creation in the United States. And getting Fox was really more kind of an ancillary support structure for them uh, and getting content for their Disney Plus offering, which may or not wind up looking the same in a year from now. That's, That's really one of the things that they're trying to figure out how to deal with at Disney. So i think this is probably more important i think xbox was looking at being pretty much last place for a long time and spending this money to acquire a company like activision blizzard king however you feel about it right some people think it's unfair that they can spend this money and kind of jump back into competition with nintendo and and sony on that front i tend to like it because i think that competition and big gorillas fighting over our, our consumer dollars is good but Um, Yeah, I think Microsoft could have faded into obscurity without these big transactions, Bethesda and Activision, but Activision is the bigger. And my hope is that you see a Microsoft that's more able to impact the mobile space with King and the live service space with, with Blizzard and Activision to some extent, and actually has real fights for our attention and our dollars between Sony and Microsoft. I do tend to think Sony has become a little complacent because of Microsoft's Xbox One generation and I would love to see some more fight in all parties really. Timor says, CMA seems to be all on offensive against cloud in general, not just cloud gaming. Was this deal the first potential target for their agenda? It wasn't the first. Uh, the CMA and the EU had made many noises about cloud server infrastructure being monopolized and being a concern for enterprise over the past year or two. So this is more kind of a part of that. And that's honestly, I think how the argument came out in the CMA once they lost their console argument because it was silly, they they went to cloud because they were already working through cloud issues across their jurisdiction and they knew how to make that argument. So I think that's how that happens. But yes, I think cloud server enterprise infrastructure is a more interesting question from a monopoly perspective and an antitrust perspective than gaming. I think you can argue all sorts of things about server access and withholding things from from enterprise competitors that really are not impacted by who has Call of Duty. Kaldweeb says, what I want is for them to slow down and integrate all the technology and teams they've acquired. Xbox has no reason to be the bastion of quality and quantity across all supported platforms now. No reason not to be, yeah. I I think that's right. I, I think if you've got legitimate concerns about what Xbox has right now, it's that their pipeline hasn't really kind of coalesced even with the companies they have, and now they're doubling in size. And I would like to say them see them take a beat, right? Rather than asking the question, who are they gonna buy next? Say, let's digest the food that we've eaten now. Let's make sure that it's working to help us in the video game industry and for our gamers to get good games out there. And let's take that beat to figure out what that looks like for technology and teams, because it's going to be very difficult. This is a very difficult integration because technology is hard to integrate as it is. And these are all technology companies. He's under 11 is bringing the truth. Hogue is hoping the deal will result in something a little more exciting than The Last of Us 2 remasters from under the Sony umbrella. Yes, I am. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I think Xbox has anything remotely close to the level of exclusives that Sony does. That's really how Sony has made its hay over the past generation or two. But the fact that Naughty Dog has basically been making remasters now for the entire generation is, I think, a shame. And I think if Xbox can go and get some of that cinematic adventure money can go get more consumer attention that Sony is going to have to stop resting on its laurels at some point, And that's going to be good for all of us. All right, everybody. I think we're about done with comments and questions. If you've got any more, now's your time. Super chat's great, no super chat's great. I will try to catch them here on the bottom of the chat. Otherwise, thank you so much to everybody who has joined us. I did see the question of how I'm doing at 90 minutes. I'm doing okay. I don't think I've actually run a solo stream this long in quite a while, so I'm doing okay. For those that don't know, I don't wanna bring it up in every video that I do, but I did have a stroke at the end of last year. And so we're still working back up on, on endurance and things like that. And so it's it's been my pleasure to talk with you all throughout this entire 60 plus video playlist about Microsoft Times Activision. It's been my pleasure to talk with you about it today. And thank you so much for hanging out with me, talking about these things in virtual legality. I look forward to the next long playlist, hopefully with a little break between them. Uh, But uh, hopefully this was good for information and you could take this out to whoever else is talking about it. And you know a little bit more than maybe you did before you started this video. Thank you so much, everybody. Like, subscribe, do the YouTube things. Check out player, Patreon, look at memberships. Thank you so, so much, all of you. I really, really appreciate it. And I will see you on the next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.